Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. See, I want you to know that God's got a plan even when it doesn't seem like it. God's got a plan in the waiting. And, and believer, I want you to know something today. The devil doesn't want you to understand that your steps are ordered of the Lord. That you didn't get here this morning just on your own volition. God brought you here. And how many of you can say, Pastor, I'm right with you. I'm going to wait on Jesus and I'm not turning back now. If that's you, make a little noise in the room. You guys are so precious to me. It's my custom to stand for the reading of God's Word. I want to look to Luke chapter 24. I can tell you that I have literally sat on the edge of my seat all weekend long, just waiting to get here to be with you today. I have such a word in my spirit, and I love you guys so much. And I believe God has given me a word that's in season for your life. This is going to be a life-changing few minutes. If you're ready for it, shout, bring it on. My precious live stream church, I love you so. Thank you for being with us. We're looking at Luke 24, verse 13. Now remember, in this text, Jesus has already experienced his death, burial, and resurrection. And we're here now, two strangers, it seems to us, but they're known to Jesus and they know Jesus, are walking down the road to Emmaus. The 13th verse says, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. How many of you would like for Jesus himself to draw near and go with you? Can I get a witness in this house? But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are so sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to Jesus, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? You've not known the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived to the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those men who were with us went to the tomb and found it as the woman had said, but him they did not find. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slowed of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? 
and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. Can you imagine? Jesus preaching Jesus for seven miles. I would have loved that. How many of you would have liked that moment? Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that they would have gone farther, or he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Verse 30. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it and he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Look at Matthew 14, 19. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down for the feeding of the 5,000 and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples. Matthew 26, 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. And he said to the disciples, take and eat, this is my body. I want to teach for just a few minutes along these lines, blessed, broken, and given. I want to give you insight today into God's order into your life. Because everyone in this room is somewhere in that process. Greatly blessed and about to be broken. Greatly broken and about to be given. Blessed, broken, and given. Father, we step up our hands before you and we ask you to anoint us to preach today. God, I look at the early service and I could hardly usher them out of here. They were so taken by your word. Remind us that we are in the process, greatly taken and about to be blessed, greatly blessed and about to be broken, greatly broken, about to be given. Lord, wherever we are in the process, teach us to trust you, Lord, because we know that our steps are ordered and we are not turning back now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you love the Lord, give him the ovation of the morning. Come on, church. You can be seated. Matthew 26, 26 says, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. He's with the 5,000. He takes the bread and the fish and the Bible said he blessed, he broke and he gave. And then we see that even in the process on the road to Emmaus, these disciples of Christ did not recognize him until he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it. See, I want to tell you today that the God I serve is a God of order. I didn't say predictability. I said order. We see the order of God being manifested today in our text. He blessed, he broke, and he gave. It's God's order. It's God's way. We all walk out that process. We have seasons when we're greatly taken and about to be blessed, greatly blessed and about to be broken, greatly broken and about to be given. See, God's order, y'all, it's God's way of doing things. There were orders and rules and guidelines, especially 
in the Old Testament, and if you just study the New Testament, you'll find out that there's order there as well. There's over 70 examples in the New Testament of the order of three. Now, I want you to hang with me because I'm taking you to a destination. We see the order of three in the New Testament. For example, we see faith, hope, and love. Mm -hmm. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Body, soul, spirit. Death, burial, resurrection. Blessed, broken, and given. It's God's way. It's automatic. In Acts 10, the Bible speaks of iron gates opening when Peter was supernaturally delivered from prison. And it literally says that the, 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 the gates opened of their own accord. The Greek word there is automatos. It means they opened automatically. And there are some automatics as it relates to God. There are things that you can count on. When God starts something, y'all, he's going to finish it. And I want you to comprehend that God always does his greatest work. Let's call these three dimensions the, the dimensions of grace. And God always does his greatest work in the third dimension of grace. Death, burial, resurrection. The resurrection is the most powerful. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is, that's what the Bible says, the greatest is love righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It seems to get more powerful with every step. And I want you to understand when the first two things happen, there is an automatos. There is a third dimension which follows. And in this text, we found out that there is the process of blessed, broken, and given. And this is where trust must kick in. That we got to trust God when we don't understand why we're going through what we're going through. We got to trust God in seasons when stuff just ain't making sense. Many of us are living in days of labor instead of entering into God's rest and understanding that God has an order. That whatever God has promised, he's going to bring it to pass. That God is not going to leave us stuck in a season. And I want you to comprehend today that even if you're in a time where you feel like you're in a season of brokenness, trouble don't last always. We need to understand that even when we don't like where we are, and even when we're frustrated where we are, God is taking us through the process to get us to our purpose. Because God's got a plan. I said God's got a plan. I said, make a little noise if you believe God's got a plan. See, the truth is God must take you through what he's taking you through to get you where he promised you'd be. He's got to take you through your today to get you to your tomorrow. He's got to take you through this process. Now, I want you to write this down because this is very, very urgently important. Remember, the process doesn't change God. The process changes us. The process is not changing God because sometimes we go through seasons where we feel blessed and it's all good. 
and can't nobody out praise us can't nobody out worship us and we're going through that season where we feel so blessed and it's all good but then we enter a season of brokenness we leave the season of blessing and then we enter a season of brokenness and we say God you've changed God you're not moving like you used to move are you who I thought you were can you do what I thought you would do God you've done it before what is going on God you've changed but see I dropped by to tell you today that the tough times are not changing God the tough times are changing you the tough times are not changing God they're changing us the lonely times the difficult times the seasons that we don't understand so here are these two disciples of Christ the Bible said, and behold, two of them who went that same day to a village called Emmaus in the 13th verse, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. Jesus shows up to these two men after his death, burial, and resurrection. And basically he asked them, why are you so sad? And Cleopas spoke up and said, he said something that stuck out to me, but before I really show you what he said, let me talk to you about Cleopas. If you define the name Cleopas, the root word for the name Cleopas is the word Cleos, meaning glory and praise. His very name was rooted in praise. But what stuck out to me, here is a man whose name means glory and praise, who looks at Jesus, probably broken, he had been weeping and crying, and he says three words to Jesus in the 21st verse. He said, we, we were hoping, we were hoping, we were hoping that Jesus would redeem Israel. We, we had our plan, we had our thought, we had our agenda. We knew exactly how it was gonna work out, so we thought, we were hoping. But somewhere in the process, when Jesus didn't move just the way they wanted him to move, when he didn't do just what they thought that he would do, they lost their hope. What do you do when life gets so tough Oh, I don't know how much you're going to shout today, but I'm going to keep preaching. What do you do when you traverse seasons and situations and circumstances where things are not going the way that you designed, the way that you planned? What do you do when you lose your hope? This man said, we, we, we lost our hope. We were hoping that he would redeem Israel. A man named Cleopas, whose name is rooted in praise, lost his praise, and he, he lost his hope. See, I came to tell you today, young lady, I came to tell you, sir, the devil is after your hope because, because he knows if he can get your hope, he'll get your peace and your joy and your praise. The devil is after your hope because he knows as long as you've got hope, you'll find the praise. And as long as you'll find praise, you will be victorious. How many of you can say, Pastor, maybe I've gone through some things that I don't understand. Maybe even now I'm in a season that is not necessarily easy, but I've still got some praise. Come on, if you still got some praise, make a little noise right now because... 
That means that there's some hope inside of you. Some of you today, you've been praising God, not because everything is perfect, but there's still deep down inside of you a hope. Maybe your children are going crazy. Maybe your life is not feeling like it's on track. Maybe you're not seeing what you want to see, but still there's something inside of you that says, I'm still going to praise him even though I cannot track what he's doing right now because I have a hope inside of me that he who began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete it. He won't leave me in the process. Can I find a witness in this house? See, sometimes we think the people who are praising the loudest and lifting their hands the most and making the most noise, they're in the place of victory. But some of those people that are praising the loudest are on a season and in a season of despair. But they said, God, I'm not going to let what I'm going through block what I believe you're able to do in my life. So I'm going to keep that candle of hope and I'm going to praise you through the process. Somebody who hears me, give God some praise right now. guess in your season where you're not feeling what you want to feel in a season of brokenness, don't lose hope. Jesus shows up and walks with these two men, and they didn't know him, y'all. They were his disciples, yet they didn't recognize him. Not of the 12, but they were his disciples. We see these men walking seven and a half miles with Jesus. And Jesus spoke to them and said, why are you so sad? And they didn't even know who he was until he broke the bread. And, and we know these men are disciples of Christ, though they're not of the 12. They knew Christ, y'all. They knew his mannerisms. They knew his gestures. They knew the modulation and the inflection of his voice. These men had been heartfelt with the Lord. But the Bible said their, their eyes were holding. They couldn't, they couldn't recognize him. And ain't it the truth, y'all, that in the heat of the crisis, we often lose our ability to recognize Jesus. That when we're going through trouble, sometimes we don't see Jesus. We don't even realize that he's there. People who have walked with him for years come to that place and they feel like he has forsaken them. People who've trusted him. And you said, Lord, I've trusted you with my children, but they're still not serving God. I've trusted you through this season and I'm still not seeing what I thought that I would see. See, so often human circumstances will alter our ability to recognize him if we are not careful. So often the seasons that we're in and the circumstances that we go through will blind us to the fact that he is there. Can I talk to real people today? I don't have a message for religious goody-two-shoes people. I don't have a message for super spiritual folk. But I got, I got a message for folk who've been in a dogfight with the devil. I've got a message for folks who've been in such a dogfight with the devil in times gone by that you question Jesus, where are you? I'm talking to folk who's what cried themselves to sleep. I've talked to folks who are worried about your son and your daughter in the natural right now. I'm talking to real Real people, see, see. Uh, uh, do I have any real people at, at church today? Do I have any people who walk through a process of brokenness? These men knew Jesus in a way that we never have. These men knew Jesus, y'all, in a way that we never had the ability to know him because they walked with him, yet they failed 
to recognize him. And all of us wrestle with these times when, when, when we go through trouble. I wish that I had a shot that I could give you that would inoculate you from trouble. I wish I had a shot that I could give you that would hold trouble from you. But the truth is, I don't possess a shot like that. You're going to have to go through trouble. I don't care if you're a bishop, if you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a deacon. I don't care what your title is. You just may be plain Jane coming to church. But whoever you are, there is no inoculation for trouble. You're going to have to go through some things once in a while. The real question is, why, why didn't they recognize him? They were heartfelt, y'all. They knew the inflection of his voice. They saw him heal the sick, raise the dead. They saw him set the captive free. They probably saw him call Lazarus out of the grave, but they didn't recognize him. Why didn't they recognize him? I believe, number one, because they had watched him die. I think if we had watched Jesus die, we would understand why they didn't know him. They watched him die. They watched the torture of his precious body. They watched the Roman centurion soldier rip his flesh with the cat of nine tails that whip until his flesh hung in ribbons. This soldier, this barrel-chested trained assassin was taught to smell death, to go for it. They, they, they saw him beat until his upper bowel protruded. They saw him sagging on the cross. They saw his body broken and beaten. They saw the nails pierce his hands. They saw the nails in his feet. They saw the tearing away of the pectoral muscles. They saw the ripping of his underarm. They saw his spine turned and contorted. They saw his beard plucked out by the handfuls. They saw the poison pour into his mind from the crown of thorns. And they saw his head swell five times its normal size. They saw his muscles knot and flex. They saw the charley horses in his legs. They saw the rubbery mucus from the throats of the people hanging on his eyes and face from those who hated him. They heard him wheeze on that cross. They, 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 they saw his lungs and heard his lungs fill with fluid. They heard the death rattle in his chest. They had seen him tortured for 48 hours and hang on the cross for six hours plus. They heard him wheeze, Eli, Eli, Labathani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They saw it, y'all. They were eyewitnesses. They saw him die. Let me tell you something. It's hard when you see the one who walked on water cry out for a drink and die. It's hard when you see the way maker and the miracle worker, when you see the one who could do anything, cry out for a drink and die. Jesus was their hope. I wonder if he's anybody's hope today. The Bible said he is the blessed hope. The Bible said he is the hope of glory. He was their hope and they had this certain idea of how he would work. They had this certain idea of how he would move. They had an expectation of Jesus. They said you're going to do it this way and some of you have this expectation of Jesus that my life is going to be A, B, C, and D. My situation is going to be just like this. My circumstance is going to be just like this and it's going to play out just like this and you've got it all planned but what do you do when you've got the plan but God has the process? Will you stay hooked on your plan or will you say, God, connect me to your process and let me trust you when I don't understand even why I'm going through what I'm going through. What do you do when you watch your dream die? 
They had the dream. They had the agenda. They said, this is how God is going to move. See, how do you survive when Jesus doesn't move the way that you want him to move and your dreams crash and burn? See, they were blinded, y'all, by, by the fact that they had watched him die, but they were also blinded by their own pain. Have you ever had seasons ugh, where you've been through so much pain, where you were in so much struggle, you said, God, I can't even see you. Lord, I don't even know where you are. Where, where are real people at today? Can I talk to real people? Or can, are we just here today and we've never had a problem? Have you ever had times where you had won the plan, but God had a process and you had to submit to his process and say, God, let my plan go out the window because your process is what will get me to the promise. Can you imagine these men? How their hearts must have broken as they saw him taken off the cross. His hands pulled away from the nails. They, they, they saw his dead body slumping over Joseph of Arimathea's shoulder. His body is anointed with a hundred pounds of spices and they're blinded, y'all. They're blinded by the fact that their dreams are crushed now. He didn't deliver them the way they, they, he thought, they, they thought he would deliver them. They had this agenda, they had this thought that he would deliver them from Roman oppression, that he would topple Caesar's government, that they would supernaturally be set free and the Israelis would be delivered, the Jews would be delivered because they only saw him as the Jews' deliverer. They didn't see the bigger picture, that yes, he did come to deliver the Jews, but he also came to deliver the whole wide world. He came to say, whosoever will, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord today. There's a lot of reasons I can praise him. There's a lot of reasons you don't have to beg me to worship. There's a lot of reasons you don't have to beg me to clap my hands. You don't have to, you don't have to have the right song for me to lift my hands and worship the Lord. I don't have to hear my favorite music. When I think of where I used to be and where I am and what I used to be and what I am, there is something inside of me that says, God, let me praise you. Even if I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, you have been faithful to me. If you're glad for whosoever, give God a praise right now if you're thankful. They, 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 had their, they had their agenda. They had their way that they thought he would move. He's going to lay the axe to the root of the tree. He's going to topple that Roman oppression. And Jesus didn't move the way that, 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 that they thought he would move. And see, they didn't see the bigger picture. And I need to tell you, precious, there's a bigger picture. Even if you're not seeing what you want to see right now, young man. Even if you're not wanting, even if you're not seeing what you want to see right now, daughter. Let me tell you something. There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture, sir. There's a bigger picture, son. There's a bigger, bigger picture, ma'am. Even if you're not seeing it, there's a bigger picture. See, the bigger picture was he came to deliver the world. If you remember at the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter wanted to build tabernacles for them to stay with. He said, let's build the earthly kingdom here. And let me tell you something. God has not called us to build an earthly kingdom. God has called us to manifest a heavenly kingdom. Where are y'all at? God has not called us to build our agenda of our plan, but he has called us to manifest the kingdom of heaven. Glory to God, glory to God. Peter said, let's build an earthly kingdom here. How many of you know that Peter himself didn't even understand the totality of what God was doing and what Jesus was accomplishing? Because y'all know he wasn't aiming for that man's ear when he cut his ear off. 
in the garden of Gethsemane, Peter wasn't trying to cut off that man's ear. He was after that man's head. And Jesus would have had to take that man's head and stick it back on, but instead he just had an ear that he put back on. You know why? Because God's kingdom is a supernatural kingdom, and Peter did not understand that there was a process. And I've come to let you know that even if you're blessed, even if you're broken, even if you're given, you are somewhere in the process of God. And the devil has tried to convince you because you've had some painful days, because somebody did you wrong, because things didn't go the way you thought they would go, that God is somehow through with you because it hasn't manifested the way you thought, hoped, and dreamed that it would manifest. But I came to tell you today that you are in the process and you cannot quit now. You cannot turn back now because everything God promised you, it will come to pass. Give God a praise if you believe what I'm saying. Peter didn't understand the process and look at me in the eyes. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't understand the process. And the man Cleopas and his friend, these men who walk with Jesus, this man whose name means glory and praise, he said, we were hoping. We were hoping that it would be different. We were hoping that it would be different. He lost all his hope. And I've come to tell you today that even if you feel like you're in a season you don't understand, even if you're in a process right now where you feel like you are being broken, Cleopas, don't lose your praise. And don't lose your hope. Because no matter where you are in the process, don't stop praising and giving him glory. And whatever you do, don't lose hope. If you still got a little bit of hope inside of you, will you just let the devil know by giving God praise right now? Come on, Cleopas, your whole life, his name was rooted in praise. Your next dimension is rooted in your ability to say, God, even when I don't trust you, I will dance in advance. I will shout even when things aren't going great. I will, will you praise him right now where you are? Honestly, folks, look at me now. It's easy to trust God in the blessing season, isn't it? <laughs> You want to testify then. You want to come to the front during praise and worship then. Come on, preach Jim Rayleigh. You, you ready to bless his name then. But the truth is, none of us are immune from seasons that require faith. Because the just shall live by faith. It doesn't take faith until it takes faith. It's easy till it takes faith, but the just shall live by faith because we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by what we see. We don't walk by what we feel. We don't walk by what people say to us, but we walk by faith, knowing that if God said it, he will perform it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. And my days and my ways are in his hand, and God's got a plan for my life. None of us are immune from seasons that require faith. See, I'm going to get a little bit deep right now. Put your arm floaties on. We're going to get in the deep end of the pool. There's a debate that, it, that is raised, that's been raging among churchmen for centuries. It's been raging among Bible theologians for centuries. There are two ways to look at Jesus. Number one, Messiah ben Judah. That means Messiah, son of praise. It represents Abraham's lineage. It is the Messiah of blessing and prosperity. 
It is the Messiah of blessing and prosperity. But then, but then there is Messiah bin Yosef. If you know the story of Yosef, Joseph, Joseph was taken through a process. Come on, somebody. And it represents the suffering Messiah. And we get in this season, which one is he? Is he Messiah ben Judah, Abraham's lineage, Messiah of blessing? Or is he Messiah ben Yosef, the suffering Messiah, the Messiah of the process? See, the Messiah ben Judah people, they, they say, claim it, man. Claim that Cadillac. Claim that, claim that car. Claim that house. Claim that, come on, claim that pink Mercedes Benz. Whatever it is, claim it. Claim it. And the, and the Messiah ben Yosef people say, yeah, you, you can claim it and you can get it. But if you drive it, you're going to go to hell. See, the truth is, you got to understand that he is Messiah ben Judah and he is Messiah ben Yosef. He is the God of both. He is Lord of both. Jesus is Lord over the good times and the tough times. He's Lord over when you got a lot of, when you don't have a nickel in your pocket. He's Lord when you are well. He's Lord when you are sick. He's Lord when you're getting what you want and he's Lord when you don't have what you want. He is Lord over every season, every circumstance, and every situation. And whatever he takes you through, uh, that's why you got to stay with him because he's going to take you through it. At least I'm going to stay with him. You know why? Because at least I've come to understand that whatever he takes me through is going to be for my good and his glory. So I'll stay with him in the process. Yeah. He's Messiah ben Yosef. He's Messiah ben Judah. He's the God of the high time and the God of the low time. He's the God when you got money. He's God when you're broke. He's God when you're happy. He's God when you're sad. He's God when you're sick. He's God when you're well. He's God when you got joy. He's God when you're depressed. He's God when everything's all right. And he's God when all hell is breaking loose. There's not a moment he's not Lord. There's not a season when he's not God. There's not a second that he's not sovereign. That means that you can trust him through every process in your life even when you don't understand him I feel the Holy Ghost in here somebody give God a praise if you hear me yeah. Holy Ghost have your way Jesus is Lord over the good times and the tough times you say what are you trying to teach me pastor I'm trying to tell you this, and I'm trying to grow you up. God wants to raise up a balanced church. God wants a church that will trust him no matter what. One not bound by denominational Pentecostalism or charismatic shallowness. Not one bound up by, by liberal Christianity that requires nothing from the believer, but a church that is balanced. People who are balanced. See, victory comes when we learn, listen, young person, to trust God through the seasons of life. Am I helping you today? What did Paul say in Philippians 4.11? Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, I have learned, I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content, whatever. Push your neighbor and say whatever. Yeah, whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. I've learned to trust him. I've learned to have joy. I've learned to praise him. I've learned to be content. I've learned to say, God, I may not understand it, but I won't trust you right on because of God who's done it before can do it again. If you did it for my friend, you can do it for me. If you did it for me, you can do it for her. I've learned to trust him. Paul said, I'm not going to sit around tripping out, depressed and worried and giving the de seat. Mm. The devil is so messed up. The devil is so jacked up that he takes your worry and complain as praise unto himself. 
that when you talk about how bad it is, when you talk about that you're not going to be able to make it, the devil hears that and he takes that as praise unto himself. But I have come to church today to deny the devil. My sister is sick. There's things in my life you don't know about that I've been facing and I'm leaving tonight after the last service in Palm Coast to go sit with my sick sister and speak healing over her life. But I have come to let the devil know that I ain't going to quit praising God just because I'm in a season I don't understand right now. I am not going to give the devil an opportunity to get any glory out of my life, but I'm going to say, God, right where I am, whatever, whatever, just walk with me, Jesus. Whatever, just stay with me, Lord. Whatever, somebody who understands what I'm saying, let's give God a praise right now. They, they were blinded by their pain. They were blinded because they watched their dream and their plan and their agenda crash and die. But they should have known him. They should have known him, number one, by his conversation and by his voice. He preached himself <laughs> from Moses all the way through the prophets for that seven and a half miles. Can you imagine Jesus preaching Jesus for seven and a half miles? That is a message that I would have loved to heard. Jesus, there are 300 Old Testament Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. I wouldn't have you loved to have heard Jesus talking about Jesus. My, my, because don't you know Jesus talking about Jesus knew what he was talking about. I'm sure he reminded them of these 300 messianic prophecies he fulfilled as the Christ and they were struggling but still he walked with them and he talked with them what's that old song I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own here they are they can't recognize him they don't even know who he is they don't even see him that he is the Christ the son of the living God the same one that they had walk with the same one that they had served they're struggling and and they didn't recognize him but he's still he's still talking to them. see we serve a God who will find a way to speak to us see that's one of the reasons why I love him that even when I'm not talking to him he'll talk to me you missed a good place to shout right there. You missed a good place to say amen right there. Even when I can't recognize him, even when I don't see him, he sees me. He'll do what it takes to get my attention. He'll come to where I am. You, you sit out there and be religious if you want to, but I'm only here today because he never stopped talking to me. When I was crying myself to sleep, when I said, Lord, I'm not gonna make it, still he was talking to me. Tell your neighbor he never stopped talking to you. You aren't here today on your own volition. You're not here today because you're so spiritual. You're not here today because you've dotted every I and crossed every T. But the Lord himself has walked with you through your most perilous parts of your life. He never stopped talking to you. I need somebody that will give him praise. Give him praise. Because he found a way to talk to me. High five three or four people and say he found a way to talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was rebellious, but he found a way to talk to me. I was mad, but he found a way to talk to me. I was broken hearted, but he found a way to talk to me. I, I couldn't recognize him, but he found a way to talk to me. I wasn't feeling nothing, but he...
Somebody say, keep talking, Lord. Come on, say, keep talking, Lord. Don't stop talking now. Keep talking, Lord. Even when we don't recognize him. See, this is preaching that'll grow you up. This is word that'll get you to the next level. We lose our hope. We lose our praise. We lose our way. But still, he talks to us. <laughs> Verse 32. After he had broken the bread, they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked, talked with us by the way? And while he opened to us the scriptures, how many of you come to church? One of the main reasons is because you need the scriptures opened up. Oh, come on, somebody. Listen, I, I'm just the messenger. The Holy Ghost is the preacher. How many of you come because you want the scriptures opened up? You want to become more. You need the word opened up. Well, gee, now, now here's amazing. Here's amazing to me. Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave it. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. What did he do at that table? What did he do that they didn't, that they recognized him that he didn't do in that seven and a half miles on the journey? And I'll tell you what he did, y'all. He manifested the pattern. He manifested the pattern and he took it. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. Don't miss it. Then they knew it was him. <laughs> Something about his process. They saw him in the process. Some of y'all didn't see it while you were going through it, but now you've come full circle and tell your neighbor, I now see him in the process. I know that I wouldn't be here today if I wouldn't have seen him in the process. I would have never survived that season, but now I see him in the process. Somebody give God a praise if you're thankful that he'll let you see him in the process. There was something about the pattern, blessed, broken, and given. And what Christ manifested here in Luke and in Mark is an order. It's an automatos. It's an automatic, y'all. It, it has to be worked in our lives. Young lady, young man, sir, it has to be worked in our lives. And we all go through this journey, greatly taken and about to be blessed, greatly blessed and about to be broken, greatly broken and about to be given. It's the process. See, we're living in a day where we need preachers that will stand up and preach to us us and tell us that sometimes we have seasons where it takes faith to make it. We have seasons where it takes, I don't care how faithful we are and how good we are, there are seasons where it takes faith to make it because we're in the process and, and so often you come to church and every time you go through a problem, somebody up there says curse it, claim it, rebuke it, bind it, loose it, take authority over it, but sometimes God will say you can curse it, you can bind it, you can rebuke it, but you're still going to walk 
out this process. See, you're still going to walk out the process. You're still going to go through seasons of blessing, seasons of brokenness, and seasons where you're going to be given because God can't really give you the way he wants to give you until you know what he's able to do. And you can't find out what he's able to do until you find yourself in a situation where you can't do it. You need him to do it so he'll let you in. Find out how weak you are and how strong he really is. I need somebody who's learned to trust him. Give him a praise. The concept blessed, greatly taken, and about to be blessed, greatly blessed, and about to be broken, greatly broken, and about to be given. It manifests all through the Bible. Moses taken from his mother, greatly taken from his mother, blessed to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter, killed by an Egyptian because the Bible said that he would rather, he, he, he said no to sin. He, he said no to that kind of life. He killed an Egyptian and he spent the next 40 years in the desert being broken. He was blessed to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter, broken in the desert for 40 years and then finally given as God's chosen deliverer. You have David, Jesse's son. He was blessed on the day that the prophet came to the house and anointed him to be king over Israel. He had a hen of anointing oil poured over him in Jesse's front yard. See, you can be anointed and still be broken. Ah! You can be anointed and still cry. Come on, somebody. He's had oil poured over him in Jesse's front yard, and he was blessed, y'all. They were singing in the streets about him. Remember after he killed Goliath, he's number one on the hit parade. They're singing. They're singing about Saul. Saul had slain his thousand, but David had slain his ten thousands. He's best friends with the king's sons. He's married to the king's daughter. He's living in the palace. He's living the blessed life. He's gone from the pasture to the palace y'all man he is so blessed but in a moment it seems to shift and then he's broken and the king who once loved him now hates him and jealousy drove David away he finds himself aligned with the Philistines Israel's full sworn enemy he's lonely and running like a scared rabbit through a briar patch being chased by a bloodthirsty hunter he's blessed and he's broken but God never forgot him because he was given 15 years later to be become Israel's greatest king. I've come to tell you that if you will endure the process, everything that God promised you shall come to pass. We will go through things because we have to go through the order if we are to see him. We will go through things because we have to go through the order if we're going to see him. We try to deliver ourselves short order of God's plan in our lives. We try to tell God, I don't want to face this. I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to struggle. I don't want to have this time in my life. And I hear Jesus say, do you really want me to use you? Do you really want me to pour you out like a drink offering? Do you really want me to take your life and show my faithfulness and my goodness through you? You're in a desert right now, but God is telling you that's not a desert of death. That is a desert of destiny. And that will be the desert of deliverance that takes you into the next season. Only when we are broken can Christ give us in the way he wants to and desires to because the Bible said he resists the proud. But a broken and contrite spirit he will not despise. Paul is along the Osteen way. Come on now. Come on, Bible people. 
he, he, he's facing Caesar's chopping block. He's on death row, and he's writing a letter to the Philippians. And he says this, yet indeed, in verse 8, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's chained, waiting to be beheaded, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. King James Version says, dung, refuge, that I may gain with Christ. Verse 10 says, that I may know him, that I may, that I may, come on, bring it up, verse 10, that I may, that I may, that I may, I can't hear you, that I may, shout it out, that I may, that I may know him, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed unto his death. Paul's saying here, he said, I'm not saying that I love this moment. He's in prison awaiting death by beheading. He's suffering. He's, he's being broken. We, we, he said, oh, that I may, that I may know him. Oh, that I may know him. We would have said, oh, that I may be in a hotel tonight. Oh, that I may get a good meal tonight. Oh, that I may come. Oh, that someone would bring me Popeyes. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Oh, that I, oh, that I would get out of this place that I'm in. But Paul is in prison and he says these words that shock my life and rock my world. He said, oh, that I may know him. Paul said, I don't like where I am. I don't like what I'm going through. I don't like this broken season. But Paul said, in essence, if being broken means knowing him better, then break me. If there's something about this process I'm going through that's going to make me closer to him and make me know him more, bring it on. Because I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. I want to be conformable to him. I want to get in his pattern. I want to know him. If I've got to suffer, let it least be for something. If I got to cry, let me cry about something that matters. If I got to suffer, let me come out on the other side of it. Just don't let me not know you. If I've got to suffer, it I don't like it. But if it means I'm going to know you better. Yeah. My, my, my. Blessed, broken, and given. Breast, blessed, broken, and given. Paul understood the process. That's why he could sit in that, that jail writing to the Philippians and write in that same letter. I believe in Philippians 4.19. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul said, I don't like where I am, but I like what's in me. I don't like the process, but I know that God is working it out. See, see, hear me in this room. Hear me in this place. We've got to walk that process out. We will go through things because we have to go through the order if we are to see him. If we're going to see him, we've got to go through things because we've got to go through the order. Nobody manifested that even any more than Jesus. And he said, ought not the Christ have been through that. He's blessed by Simeon as a baby. Do you remember? His parents bring him to the temple. There's an old man named Simeon who said, don't let your servant depart until he has seen the glory of Israel. Jesus is brought to the temple. Simeon sees 
the family there and the Holy Spirit nudges him to go talk to that family. He goes up and taps the lady on the shoulder and he looks at the baby. And he said, ma'am, may I hold your baby? He grabs that baby and looks down at that baby and he realizes that baby is every pound Messiah and he is every inch Lord. Hallelujah. I want to tell you he's 33, but he's still every pound Messiah and he's every inch Lord. If you believe he's still Lord, make a little noise in the room right now. He's blessed. Jesus is blessed by Simeon. He enters into three and a half years of ministry. Blessed. Multitudes follow him. He heals. He delivers. He saves. He sets the captive free. He's blessed. And then he's broken on Calvary. He's marred. He's mangled. He's massacred. He's mutilated. He's lacerated. He's humiliated. He's shamed. He's blessed. He's broken. But now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, given for you and me, making intercession, made a way to heaven. They now call him healer, deliverer, provider, baptizer, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Remember the Last Supper, the 12 disciples gather for the Passover feast in the upper room. It's really supposed to be a Passover meal and at the supper, they did something the Jews instituted called the Haggadah. It's where the youngest would stand up and say, why? Why are we celebrating this feast? What is this all about? Many believe it would have been John. Some say it might have been Andrew who had been the youngest. That's not the relevant part. The youngest stood up and said, why are we celebrating this feast? Jesus, who was in charge of the event, they would have expected him to rehearse the story of when the Jews were delivered from Egypt's bondage. They would have expected them, him to rehearse the story of the plagues and then when they put blood over the doorpost and the lintel of the house. They would have expected him to talk about that Passover lamb. But Jesus shocked them, y'all. He did a radical thing. The Bible said, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, watch, and he blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body. And one, one place he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. He said, he blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it. He said, this is my body, blessed, soon to be broken, broken, soon to be given. He said, I'm the Passover lamb. You think you were going to hear the, us rehearse the story about the Egyptian Passover lamb. But behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole earth. He said, I've replaced every lamb that would ever be born, but I've got to manifest this order in my life. Blessed, broken, and given. See, the Lord manifested this order in his own life, and if he manifested the order, how do we think we can escape it? He said, this you do. He said, this you do in remembrance of me. Remembrance is the Greek word, aminos, where we get our English word amnesia, and the end of the word is a positive gnosis, literally meaning this, don't forget. He said, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget in the process that I've got it all under control. Don't forget that we who can't track me, you can still trust me. 
When you don't understand me, I'm still with you. When people do you wrong, trust me. Trust me. Don't forget that I chose you. When people talk about you, when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, when you don't see your purpose and your destiny manifesting like you thought, when you thought it would go a certain way, when she walked out anyway, when he left you anyway, when you prayed and it still went crazy, God said, remember, don't forget, remember, 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 blessed, broken, and given. I've got you in a process. I've not forgotten you. I've not abandoned you. I've not forsaken you. I've not written you off. It doesn't matter who's written you off. You're in the process. I've taken you through. Trust me through the process. If you're going to trust the Lord, get on your feet right now and give God a praise. If you would like to be part of what God is doing here at Calvary, you can give online at calvaryfl.com or you can use our app. We hope this message encouraged you to experience the Spirit, embrace the lost, and live the life. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you soon.